0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. This is Tech Guide episode 336. Thanks for listening. Thank you for downloading. Great to have your company. Welcome to to our first time listeners. I'm Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of Tech Guide. Dot com.au. This week, what we can expect to see at the Samsung Unpacked event in San Francisco. We'll also run through the best of the affordable smartphones and how to choose the right micro SD card for your devices. Also on the show, Canon has a new EOS RP mirrorless camera. D Link has also released the Omna Indoor Outdoor Surveillance Kit. And our thoughts on the high tech Star Wars identities exhibition at the Powerhouse Museum. And we'll answer all your questions in the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and also Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Let's kick it off. Well, we've just landed here in San Francisco, and it's still a few days away from the Unpacked event for for Samsung. They're, they're going to announce the Galaxy S10 range of phones. That's pretty much a given. But what else are they going to announce? What can we expect even in the S10 range? Well, we've put our speculator hat on and we're going to take you through a lot of the rumours. There's been so many rumours ahead of this event, Uh, unusual for Samsung. Usually Apple rumours are so heavy, but this one I've never seen more rumours before an event, a Samsung event than I have for this one. So uh, it is going to be held on uh, February the 21st. That's in a few days' time, and uh, it'll be 6 a.m. Sydney time. So it's February twenty 6 a.m. Sydney time. It's going to be held at the Billy Graham Civic Auditorium. Now, why is this significant? Well, it's the exact same venue that Apple has used in the past. They had a Worldwide Developers conf- Conference keynote there a few years back. They also did two iPhone launches there. I think they launched the 6S and the iPhone 7 at this very venue, so very popular uh, in San Francisco. The timing of the event is also very interesting. This comes a few days before Mobile World Congress, which is the annual mobile phone trade show in Barcelona. So it seems to me Samsung wanted to have a little bit of the stage to themselves, so they held this event a few days early uh, and uh, before the the rest of the world announced what they're going to announce – in Barcelona, I understand Samsung will still have a presence in Barcelona, but all their announcements uh, will be made in San Francisco. Now, what will those announcements be? Well, obviously, we're going to see the Galaxy S10. Now, if the rumors are right, and there's, when you hear so many of the same rumor, you get a feeling that someone's on the right track. And what what we're hearing is that the S10, there'll be three models of the S10. There'll be a model, uh, a 5.8-inch model, which is being called the S10 Lite. So it will be more your entry-level, more affordable version of the phone. Then there's the S10 itself, which is 6.1-inch screen. Then there's the S10 Plus, which is a 6.4-inch screen. Now, what's different about these devices, just looking at them, is the the screen. And, and it goes uh, right edge-to-edge, top-to-bottom. Now, previously... There had to be room at the top of the screen for a camera and a sensor. Well, what Samsung has done this time is included what we think is going to be called the Infinity O display, and O stands for, I think, the what other people are calling the hole punch display, which means that there is a little hole in the screen which will allow the camera to peek out. On the S10 Plus, there's actually a larger hole because it's got two front-facing cameras, apparently. So what this does, it means that there's no notch, and the screen goes all the way to the top, and you still have your front-facing camera uh, as well. So you get all that screen space without the notch. I think uh, Samsung would never have a notch because that was uh, it was introduced by Apple, and I, I don't think it would be good form for them to copy that. That, that hasn't stopped any other, other smartphone companies, by the way, around that as well. In, in terms of specs, uh, pretty light information, but we can expect to see a Qualcomm Snapdragon 855 processor and apparently it's going to have up to 8 gig of RAM. The other thing we're hearing is it's going to have massive internal storage. We're talking the possibility of one terabyte on the phone. That's a lot of storage, uh, and uh, looking forward to seeing that. I wonder if they'll still have expandable memory. Can you expand on a, a terabyte? Would you need to? Well, that is only one of the products. We understand there's going to be a few products announced. Next up, we think that they're going to announce a 5G phone. Now, remember the S10 Lite we spoke about earlier? Uh, There is a possibility that there may be a variant of a phone of that size, and it may be a 5G phone. So we're not sure whether any of the S10s are going to be 5G compatible. I doubt it. I think that there may be a device called the S10X, which might be the 5G variant. Of the S10, the Galaxy S10. So we'll see. But one, the other thing that, that I'm hearing too is the fact that it's going to have a much larger screen. So 5G with a 6.7 inch screen. So it's bigger than the S10 Plus. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if that becomes reality. I, I don't mind a big phone. Imagine having 5G with it. Then uh, all, all, uh, that, that, that's, uh, that'll be a great, great device. The other thing, and I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure this is going to be uh, unveiled at the show. They've even done a teaser video. has done a little teaser video about a foldable phone. They've been talking this up for a few months, ever since that event back in November where they they showed off the uh, Infinity Flex display. That's going to be at the heart of this new product, which will have a small screen on the front or smaller screen on the front and then open up like a book to give you the larger screen in the middle. For your multitasking, for viewing content, playing games, all that sort of stuff. Now head over to Tech Guide. You can see that uh, the teaser video that I'm talking about. But yeah, I think what what's going to happen here is that they're going to show the phone. It'll be like the S10 is going to be unveiled. It's going to go on sale probably that week. It'll be out probably early March, and that that's the normal way of things with the the Galaxy S phones. But I think with this foldable phone. It's probably going to be shown off at the show, at the event, at Unpacked in San Francisco, and probably won't go on sale till the second half of the year. So they're going to say, here it is. This is getting it out there before all the other folding phones we're expecting in Barcelona. And they'll say, here it is. No idea on what the name will be. There's been plenty of speculation about what it is. But there's scant information about this as well. But they did say that the larger internal screen, is going to be seven point three inches, which is that's that's almost tablet size. So you got to remember, this is a folding device that's going to be your phone and a tablet in one. And we'll see how successful that will be. But I'm looking forward to getting my hands on this. I think Samsung, uh, they they make some great devices, and and this one I think is going to be uh, going to have quite a wow factor to it. I think. But there will be other devices, other products unveiled. At the show, uh, the, there's a, str- a strong talk about having a new Galaxy Watch, uh, a sportier, a sportier version of the watch. I think they're calling it the Galaxy Watch Active, so that they, they change from Gear. Remember, the phones used to be called the Gear Gear S3 and all this sort of stuff. Now uh, they're calling them the Galaxy Watch. That was uh, brought in when the Note Nine was launched. So they, they'll keep that name, but they'll co- probably call it the Gear Watch Active. I think they had the uh, there was a, a, a sport. Orient Sport version of their watch a couple of years ago, and they'll, I think they'll do the same thing. It'll have, a, it'll have a slightly different design and just look a lot sportier, colourful bands, things like that. It'll, or, or of course, be water-resistant. Uh, you can take it in the gym and it's sweat-resistant, all that sort of stuff. The last thing, though, we're expecting, and we hope this is true, is a pair of Galaxy earphones. Uh, they're calling them the Galaxy Buds. Now, you've seen how successful Apple has been with their AirPods. They've been dominating that wire-free earphone space, especially for iPhone users. It's a natural pairing of the two. Uh, with, with this, I think that would be a smart move on Samsung's part to have a similar type of pairing with a pair of uh, these wire-free earphones. They kind of that's kind of be the missing the missing thing that they've had. They've had other wire free uh, in the past, but there've been more gear devices, and there's been no pairing like deliberate pairing of a product. Like the AirPods go well with iPhone. Here, Galaxy Bud will naturally go well with the S10, and perhaps all the earlier Galaxy phones as well. One other feature, though, I didn't mention on the S10 was reverse charging which was brought in uh, first company to have that was the was Huawei with the Mate 20 Pro so what that means is that you can turn the back of the phone into a wireless charging pad so you can put another device on there and you can charge it up now if that is the case and I'm pretty sure it will be there will also be an in-screen fingerprint reader by the way for the S10 so that that's another uh, Huawei Mate 20 Pro had that feature first as well but with the reverse charging on the S10, uh, the Galaxy Buds, which will have their own charging case, will be able to. If you've got your S10 sitting on your desk and you need to charge up your buds, you can just sit them on the back of the phone, and that'll it'll take a charge from the back of the the S10. So uh, that that's a really good idea, uh, and uh, it's it, it's something that uh, imagine if Apple had thought of that. Apple, they, uh, they they've Put that They announced a charging pad at the iPhone 10 launch in, in September 2017, and we still haven't seen it yet. It's a charging pad that can charge your iPhone, AirPods, and Apple Watch. And still 18 months later, no sign of it. Uh, apparently, it's going to be released in the second half of this year, so it's taken them two years to bring it to market. But this is a clever idea. Reverse charging on the S10. Sit the Galaxy Bud charging case on the back there, and you're going to get charged. That's a really smart idea. We'll have all the information, everything that's announced at Samsung's Unpacked event in San Francisco on episode 337 of the Tech Guide podcast. We'll have a full wrap-up and hands-on reviews of everything that we see. But in the meantime, if you want to take a look at those products and some pictures that we've seen there, what we can expect to see at Unpacked, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenwick. Now, while we're on the subject of smartphones, I put together a little list of phones that are under five hundred bucks. I put, I call them my top five under five hundred. I do get asked quite regularly from uh, you, dear listeners, and a lot of my readers, they're looking for phones. They can't afford an iPhone. They can't afford fifteen hundred or over, even over a thousand dollars for a phone. What's good out there for under 500? What's a good sort of high entry, mid level phone? And I thought, well, I need to put these together. I reviewed all the phones out there and I thought I'd put together my definitive list of the top five phones under 500 bucks. So here goes number one. Oh, these are in no particular order. These are the five phones. But the first one was, is the Telstra Superior. Now, this is an Alcatel phone, $199, six inch screen. 18 by 9 display, so uh, long sort of down, edge to edge, plenty of screen in your hand. Very stylishly done, really sort of less is more design. 12 megapixel camera with a 2 megapixel on the back, so you can get those really nice depth of field shots, that bokeh effect they call it. There's also a fingerprint reader on board, so on the back you get that added security uh, as well as uh, face unlock too, so this is a, this is a phone that's under two hundred bucks with all these features. It's locked to the Telstra network. Uh, you can unlock it, but it's going to cost you a little bit of money. So one nine nine. If you're happy being on the Telstra network, you might have to pay fifty bucks or something to unlock it. But it's running Android Oreo uh, eight and three thousand milliamp hour battery. So you know, for under two hundred bucks, this thing punches well above its weight. Next up, the Oppo A X seven. Now, this is a phone, $399. And if you look at this phone, you'll think, wow, that looks expensive. If, if, I think if I covered the price and ask you what it would be worth, you'd say, oh, $800. It's a quite a nice-looking phone, really nicely designed, 3D heat curve chassis on the back and nice big screen as well, 6.2-inch high-definition screen. It's got that water drop design, so the camera actually sits at the top of the screen and the, the little notch looks like a little water drop. So it looks too looks too looks pretty nice. There's no the, the notch is not too big, so it doesn't intrude too much. You've got a uh, the the rear camera set up 13 megapixel and 2 megapixel and you've even got a a more powerful front facing camera, 16 megapixel selfie camera as well. The Oppo AX7 looks great and it's only three nine three hundred ninety nine 399 or 319 on an Optus plan. Next up, Nokia, remember them? Nokia, this five point one phone, it used to be two seventy nine, now it's two ninety sorry, it used to be three seventy nine, now it's two ninety nine, so that's a bargain. This is a, a really nice phone, five point eight inch screen, edge to edge display, running Android one, which is the The uh, lighter version of Android, so everything's still running pretty fast. This is uh, the—it's also got an octa-core processor, one of the cheapest phones with an octa-core processor on board, so that's pretty handy. It's got a dual 13 megapixel and 5 megapixel rear sensors for the camera, image stabilization, front 8 megapixel camera as well, and 3060 milliamp hour battery. So two nine nine—you can't go wrong. Next up, the Huawei Nova 3i. This is one of my favorites in this category. It's $489. Uh, looks like it's way more expensive than that. Beautiful 6.3-inch high-resolution display. And there are four cameras in total as well, by the way, two on the back, two on the front. The strongest cameras on the front. So if you love your selfies, 24-megapixel lens paired with a 2-megapixel on the front, uh, so, uh, powered by the Kirin 710 chipset, it's a Huawei's very own silicon there, 4GB of RAM and 128GB of storage on board, which is a lot for a phone of this price, but you can expand that with a micro SD card. It can also take two 4G SIMs. This is a dual SIM phone. So anyone who, uh, and I get plenty of questions about that, dual SIM phones, this is worth a look as well. Face unlock and a fingerprint sensor. Uh, and all-day battery performance with a 3,340 milliamp-hour battery. Really good. Now, lastly, a lot of people, when they see a, a list of phones under 500 bucks assume that, oh, that's no way, no way is that going to include an iPhone. Wrong. We have an iPhone in this list. It's the iPhone 6S, 32 gig, available from JB Hi-Fi, Officeworks. It's 488 bucks. So I know a lot of you, especially parents, they want to buy their child a phone. The child naturally wants an iPhone, and you're not going to spend $1,500, $1,600, $2,000 on a new iPhone for a child. But here's an option. This is the uh, the iPhone 6S, 32 gig, uh, has 4.7-inch Retina display, running the latest OS, by the way, iOS 12, 12-megapixel uh, 12 camera, great camera, 5-megapixel front-facing camera, can even shoot 4K video with the, with the device too. It's got Touch ID in the Home button, which can enable Apple Pay, So you're getting all the things of the iPhone. Yeah, it's not the brand-new iPhone with the the all-screen design and the better camera, but it's an iPhone, and it's under 500. So definitely worth checking out. iPhone 6S 32 gig, and if you want to check all of those out, those top five under 500, uh, well worth checking out at techguide.com.au. Now, you know what? Memory cards, we all need them, whether we're using a drone, whether we're using a camera, whether we're using a portable gaming device, a tablet, security camera, smartphone, I think I've said that already, but we need memory cards, and not all memory cards are created equal, and micro SD cards especially are really taking off because they're so small, so the devices that they fit in are small as well. Uh, and they're an ideal storage solution because they're small, but they still have a large capacity, especially for products like drones, dash cams, wireless security cameras. But not all micro SD cards are the same. A lot of people just assume that, I'm just going to put a micro SD card in here and not knowing that the card they're putting in their dash cam probably is not going to give them the best result or uh, they may have an old micro SD card lying around and then suddenly want to shoot 4K video and take great photos with it. Um, it's They're going to be disappointed. So how do you know what you need and how do you know the differences out there? Well, it's pretty easy to tell. Of, uh, on Tech Guide, I've published a little guide on how to distinguish between the different the different micro sd cards now depending on what you want to use then you need a different card and there's all little symbols on the card that i'm going to talk to you talk you through right now first of all you need to worry about speed speed is uh you're not in it's, it's not in a drag race this is the speed that w- at which it can read and write information so say for example you've got the a great digital SLR camera you're shooting these great shots or you're shooting 4k video for example you'll need a card that's fast enough to write that volume of information on the fly so if you've got a a class 2 card for example which is the lowest class the 2 megabit per second write speeds it's for standard video recording then you're in trouble It'll, you might take photos, okay, on it, but videos, forget about it. So there's different speed classes. So there's class 2, class 4, class 6, all the way up to class 10, which is for full HD, HD still images, uh, and so that, that gives you that read-write speed that's fast enough. Now, for devices like a dash cam, for example, or a, a smartphone, smartphone could probably handle uh, like a class 6, or class, I don't think you'd even buy class sixes anymore. So class ten is kind of where, where it's it's like it's like the capacity of a card. Like you can't buy a uh, uh, a four gig card anymore. The, I think the lowest card now is sixteen. So the speed is kind of evolving as well. So that, that why give you a class two card? You might as well just give them a class ten card. It's like like the capacity. It's always improving. So class ten, that's fast enough for you to have your micro SD card in your camera and your drone. Uh, in in a tablet, uh, but especially if you if you're if you're just viewing content from an SD card, the speed is is important because don't forget it's got to have a it's going to, it needs to have a read speed. So write speed is when it's recording stuff and, and capturing stuff. A read speed is how fast it can then show you that information. So if you've got a, a, a it's like a twelve inch tablet or a ten inch tablet or a, a whatever you're looking at, you need to have be, have decent speed to do that as well. But then you can go up to the next level. There is uh, what they call the UHS class, which is ultra high speed. There's two classes here, ultra high speed one and ultra high speed three. Now, ultra high speed three, top of the line, 30 megabits megabytes a second. Uh, and this is the sort of thing if you're recording 4K video, doing those high end, uh, like if you've got a, the latest SLR camera, 4K video, You need the faster card. So UHS, the Ultra High Speed 3 would do the trick. Ultra High Speed 1 gets you 10 megabytes a second. Ultra High Speed 3, 30 megabytes a second. So if you're doing the 4K recording, go big or go home, get the UHS Speed Class 3. So there's, and on the the packet, you'll see UHS 1, UHS 2. You'll see a little... Uh, the symbol for UHS Speed Class 3 is a U with a 3 in it. I'll put these pictures on, te- these are on Guide already. So next time you're standing in a store and you're looking at a memory card, take a look at these symbols. The class symbol is usually a C with a number inside it. The ultra-high speed is a U with a number inside it, so you know which is which. So, what do you need for your devices? Uh, there, drones. If you're shooting 4K on a drone and you've, and and, and uh, large stills as well, then you'd need a, at least a Class 10. Well, I'd, I'd go. You need a UHS. I'd go a ultra high speed uh, one or three. The three. If you're shooting 4K, then you have to go the UHS three. Uh, if you're if you're using a dash cam, this is an interesting one, and and I've experienced this myself because I had to replace or update a card in in my dash cam. Now the dash cam is a slightly different situation because it's constantly writing. It's constantly recording. You know how a dash cam works, it's recording all the time. If nothing happens this just going to go back and record over the card again. So you kind of need an endurance card here. So a card that can handle being used all the time. Uh, and being recorded over and over again, so you need uh, the the research I've done and uh, is, is shows that the Samsung Evo cards work really well. These are ultra high speed, ultra high speed three class three cards, but they've got that little bit of extra uh, endurance built in, so they can handle heat. Uh, they can handle constant recording. So what I got for my car was the Pro Endurance micro SD card. I've got a 128 gig card that can handle uh, being in a dash cam all the time. You've got to remember that it's, it's recording as, as long as you're in your car. Some some dash cams, mine included, can record all the time. If they detect motion, they're recording even when the car stopped. And you've got to remember a car, the dash cam could be in the sun, so it needs to be able to handle that heat. It needs to be a, an endurance card, which is why the Pro Endurance card works for dash cams. So don't just think uh, it may work okay in your dash cam, but really have a think about the card that uh, if you need to buy your own memory card for the dash cam, just have a think about buying an endurance card. Make sure that you think about this is going to be recording constantly, uh, it's going to be in the heat, it needs to be a tough card. I think the SanDisk Extreme Pro is another example of that, and that's a, that's another ultra high speed 3 card as well. So keep that in mind. But for other things like uh, yeah, tablet, you use in a tablet. Uh, for your phone, they don't need to be UHS-3, but they need to be fast enough for you to be taking, if you are shooting 4K video on your phone, I suppose you need decent speed as well, uh, so you just need to keep those things in mind, if you just, if you've got a, a little a camera just shooting, shooting uh, not shooting video, but just taking stills, you might be able to get away with a slower card, so that that might be okay, but... Something to keep in mind, it is a uh, lot to think about. Uh, uh, people assuming that every micro SD is the same, they're not. And I hope that helped you muddle through uh, that little minefield there. Uh, so if you want to read more about that, yeah, check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, we all know you need antivirus on your computers and all your connected devices, but your router could be letting hackers in to your home. Now, router is the centre of every connected home, but it can also, though, provide an entry point for hackers. It could be the weak point of your home. The router is the heart of the connected home, but you can also provide an entry point for hackers to attack anything connected to your network. It you can infect your devices, steal your information, and even spy on your home. And unfortunately, just password protecting the router won't block these threats. Norton Core is a smart and more secure Wi-Fi router that delivers speed and security all in one. Norton Core delivers next-gen Wi-Fi speeds to you across your home, so don't think it's going to be slow. It does a a great job uh, streaming and doing everything you need, but at the same time, it's helping protect all your connected devices, things like your computers, phones, smart TVs, baby monitors, gaming consoles, smart speakers, and much more. It protects them all from digital threats by blocking them at the network level. With built-in parental control Norton Core also lets you set screen time limits, content filters and even pause the internet all from an easy to use smartphone app and right now Norton Core is on sale for just $98 at Harvey Norman so never been a better time to get in there and improve the security in your network. Norton Core the smart and more secure Wi-Fi router is available now at your local Harvey Norman store. Canon has just released a new camera. Every time Canon makes any kind of announcement, it's exciting. I'm sure you photographers out there will agree. They've unveiled the EOS RP. Now, this is their their interchangeable lens camera, of course, mirrorless camera, but it is the company's smallest and lightest full-frame digital interchangeable lens camera to date. So you think of a mirrorless camera uh, slightly smaller than a DSLR, a DSLR has a mirror in it, which makes it bigger, so the light comes in the lens, bounces off a mirror, goes onto the sensor. With the mirrorless camera, it gives you the same ability of interchangeable lenses, but without the mirror. The sensor's right there behind the lens. So as a result, the body is able to be a lot smaller than a DSLR, so you're getting the convenience of a smaller device which is easier to take anywhere, but also the benefit of that same quality of, of images, 4K video, so it really does a great job. So the this is a camera that uh, is designed for advanced amateurs and enthusiasts and, and great size too, as I said, for traveling, uh, for portrait and landscape photography, for shooting video. Uh, it does produce some incredible results and it combines that brilliant ease of use, but also that you get that great image quality as well. And of course, it will work with Canon's full portfolio of the EF and EFS lenses. So it's it's got the very angle lens, uh, screen on the back. So it's got a, a 7.3 inch uh, screen on, not 7.3, 7.3 centimeter screen on the back. It's not that big, but it allows you, what I like about that is the fact that It can pop out, it's 7.5 centimetres, it pops out of the back of the camera and then allows you to angle it however you like, whether you want to angle it up, you want to maybe pop it out so you can see yourself, if you're maybe filming yourself, you can see that, so it's um, got the very angle touchscreen. Uh, It's also got an OLED electronic viewfinder, so if you want to look through the viewfinder, inside is a tiny OLED screen. So, you can see what what you 're seeing through the lens if you don 't want to use the uh the seven point five inch seven point five centimeter touch screen because that that can use up a lot of the battery so uh, it 's also got wireless connectivity as well, so Bluetooth and wi fi on board so uh, that means it 's possible to control your camera from the phone so if you want to shoot pictures or video remotely via your wi fi on your the connection on your on your app so you can see what the camera sees and then shoot remotely. Uh, you can also uh, take control of the settings and uh, you can you can even uh, wake up the camera using Bluetooth and you can also set up an automatic uh, synchronization of the images. So you can synchronize whatever you take on the camera, you can set it so that it automatically sends everything to your phone. So if you want to share it or store it, however you want to look at it, you can do that as well. On the video side, of course, EOS RP, can shoot movies in up to 4K resolution at 25 frames per second and, of course, full HD, full high-definition at up to 60 frames per second. Uh, So the EOS RP is, well, this is a follow-up to the EOS R. Remember, late last year, they released the R, so they thought, hey, let's follow it up with the RP. And this is going to be a popular one. They're going to sell body only. Canon's already got a ton of lenses you can buy. And as I said, this will work with the EF and EFS lenses, so there's no risk there. But it's going to be a body-only sale. Uh, you can even buy a little a grip for the for the bottom because it's so small and some photographers are used to having a bigger camera. You can actually screw on a grip on the bottom to give you that larger feel in your hands if you want to. But to, for mine, I, I had a try of it. Uh, I haven't reviewed it completely, but I saw it at the the announcement. And it is, it is a really small, small camera, so not, not too big at all. It's going to go on sale uh, February twenty seven. Now, pricing they say Canon never announce pricing. It's always at what they call the dealer's discretion. But expected to be similar price to the EOS R, which is uh, I think around two thousand bucks. So uh, th- this is the sort of I think if, if you're if you're a photographer who wants to get into or, so, well, there's no point buying a a small camera anymore like a, a pocket camera. What's the point? Because you've got a phone, so there's no real need to to buy that. So if you are looking for to get into the into more uh, more detailed photography, better photography, then this is an ideal product. Now the the EOS R was around two thousand five hundred up to two thousand eight hundred, depending on where you buy it. So this is going to be around the same price. So uh, it it is. It is like an entry-level enthusiast camera. You can spend way more if you want to on a camera, but the EOS R is going to be a popular one, I think. The mirrorless camera gives you the opportunity to shoot these amazing pictures that you can never do on your phone, shoot these amazing videos as well that also you can never do on your phone. So... 26.2-megapixel full-frame CMOS sensor. It's got a lightweight body with a magnesium alloy chassis, so it's strong, but it's also light. And then you put your lens on, that's where all the weight comes from. Uh, Dual-pixel CMOS autofocus, 4K movies. got the Digic 8 processor, uh, 3 EOF, EOS R adapter options as well, so uh, compatibility with all the EF and EFS lenses. And I mentioned Wi Fi and Bluetooth on board as well. If you want to hear more about that, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Well, D Link has announced the Omna. This is a surveillance kit. For your home, this is an indoor and outdoor solution. So, wireless security is so important. We're uh, we're want, wanting to monitor our homes, wanting to monitor our small businesses, and this is a great way of doing it. The wire Wirefree Kit comes with two cameras, indoor and outdoor cameras. Also comes with a Wi-Fi hub as well. It's about it's eight hundred dollars, seven ninety nine. Ninety nine, And uh, it is an all-in-one solution that allows you to position the cameras indoors or outdoors. Uh, I, I like the fact that D-Link emphasised indoor because you, you get the impression from all the other security cameras you buy that they can only be used outdoors. Of course they can. They're weatherproof, but there is also the possibility to use them indoors, as you can with those other cameras. But D-Link has illustrated that pretty clearly, that you can uh, set that up inside or out. Now, it also comes with that Wi-Fi hub uh, helps connect the devices, but also uh, comes with a 12-month subscription to the My D-Link cloud recording service for up to five cameras, which is usually uh, $50 US uh, a year. So if you're getting that for free uh, for up to five cameras, that means you can record directly to the camera. And view it from the uh, from the SD card, the micro SD card, or you can even record and you plug these into the Wi-Fi hub. You can even record to a USB hard drive, or you can have the cloud recording service. So you've got a remote access to all your video stored up in the cloud. The kit includes the two DCS 2800 LH wire free cameras and they're full high definition cameras, uh, can shoot, uh, really, really nice quality video. So full HD capture, uh, and, uh, you can also the Wi-Fi hub that comes with it. It's the DCS H100 Wi-Fi hub. So, uh, and you've got to remember too, the app, there's also the companion app that then helps you set up the, the system. Really easy to step you through every part of it, so anyone's a little bit intimidated thinking, oh, I'll never get this set up, the app really does a good job in in taking you through each step to get it working. Uh, The app also serves as a way for you to remotely view what the cameras are recording, so you can watch a live stream, or you can go back and look at what has been recorded, whether it were earlier, whether it's from the SD card or from the cloud. So really compact, wireless. So no running cables anywhere. Suitable for indoors or outdoor use. Uh, a full HD capture, as I mentioned. They come with magnetic mounts as well. So mounting them is really simple. Uh, there's also a separate mounting arm, so you can position them uh, in the right way as well. So there's a little mount that you can that sits flat the camera just pops straight on it magnetically, or there's the mounting arm, so it sort of extends a little bit further to get it in the right position. There's also night vision, of course, and they'll uh, they'll provide those clear images, even in complete darkness, up to 7.5 metres away. So if anyone's prowling around your house, you can see them in perfect clarity, up to 7.5 metres away, even in the dark. That's courtesy of the built-in infrared LEDs. It's also got motion detection, two-way audio as you'd expect so you can talk to whoever's at your front door you might have a courier standing there or uh, someone you want to talk to Uh, but the motion detection means that you can be sent the notifications to the app so uh, if you're away or you're you're small business uh, you you want to set up some security there you get these notifications as well it will also work there's a skill for Alexa so with the My D-Link skill you can view live feeds from the wire-free cameras on an Echo show screen. So if you've got an Echo with a screen on it, then uh, you'll be able to ask to see the view, the live view of my Alexa's peeping out, piping up because you heard her name. Uh, the Omna Indoor Wire-Free uh, Indoor-Outdoor Surveillance Kit it's priced at $799.99. And if you're thinking of starting uh, getting a smart, smart camera system, this is a great way to start. It's got the hub, it's got two cameras ready to go out of the box. If you want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Well, everyone knows I'm a massive Star Wars fan, and just the other day I managed to find some time to go watch, go see this Star Wars Identities exhibition at the Powerhouse Museum. Now, it is, it is a, obviously a draw being Star Wars. They had me at hello just there, but what was really interesting about it was that there was a theme to the exhibition, and it's it's not just. Uh, a an exhibition of the costumes and props which it is you're seeing the screen used items, costumes characters models, ships all of that's there and it's fantastic but the theme to it was identities and it was designed around trying to make us understand what makes us ourselves whether it's our our genes, whether it's our culture, where we were brought up, our friends, our influences, religion, all this sort of thing, all put together and re- related through the Star Wars universe. And a great example was Luke Skywalker and Anakin Skywalker. Who, uh, this was an example used in the exhibition, and it was the the, the the commentary said, "Well, they were brought up in kind of the same." planet they were Tatooine same environment uh, Luke had pretty strict auntie and uncle uh, Anakin was a, a slave child his mum was pretty loving and and, and and endearing and yet they both chose different paths Luke obviously stayed, stayed good Anakin grew up to be Darth Vader and went to the dark side so there's all these influences that that's kind of the start of a, 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 the sort of the, the starting point that then takes you through the journey of what makes us and what influences us and how we turn out to be who we are. Now, it's it's not just a, a, an exhibition of just looking at stuff behind glass cases. It's also very interactive and it's pretty high tech as well. So you, you're given when you walk in, you've got a, an audio set. So you're hanging it around your neck and pop it on your ear, and you've also got a wristband. Uh, the audio, of course, is for you to move into, as soon as you step into an area, an infrared beam hits your player, and then suddenly you're hearing wherever the audio's up to. So uh, if you, sometimes you're looking at a screen, and the audio is provided through your, your headset, uh, and then you, you can see what you're up to, and then it loops, and then if you say you've come in halfway, you can watch it then go back and start it again. Or you can also step into these areas, and they're very clearly marked, where as soon as you walk inside a circle, this dotted circle, the audio starts playing, and then whatever you're looking at, it's, it's describing to you, uh, I think one of the early ones was here are the concept drawings for Jar Jar Binks, and there's another one about uh, the concept for Darth Vader, and there was a, other videos talking about how uh, how genes work and how your your parents, for them to have an identical... For your parents when when they when they had had you as a child your genes mixed up in a certain combination that even if they had like 1 million other children wouldn't be exactly like you because of the different combinations of the genes and all of that so that i found that rather fascinating as well but then you move around with the wristband and you make your choices about who you are so you uh, do you want to be a jedi do you want to be this do you want to be that and then you then talk about you, you ch- choose the various characteristics of who you are so that by the end of the of the exhibition you've got an identity you you've kind of come up with who you are and it gives you like a rundown of who you would be in the Star Wars universe based on who you are, how you were brought up, your personality, all those sorts of things. And you do get a choice to stay on the delight side or to join the Emperor on the dark side as well. So it's really, really cool like that as well. I think there are 10 stations where you can choose things like that. There's also 10 videos you can watch. So really interesting. If you're a Star Wars fan, get down there. It's, I think it's at the Powerhouse Museum till June. I waited till after Christmas and the school holidays because uh, my daughter happens to work at the Powerhouse Museum and she advised that during school holidays, uh, Christmas ho- holidays, it's going to be really crowded, and it was. So I waited till now. People are wondering, why the hell would you wait so long? But I decided I oh, might as well wait. Hardly any people in there. It was really good. I was able to go around slowly by myself and take heaps of photos and have a look at the whole thing myself. But if you're a Star Wars fan that you and if you obviously want to take your child along, they'll learn a few things learn about how, how we are who we are and it's really interesting how they've tied it into examples in the Star Wars universe so that's a thrill there as well if you want to get down there it's, I think it's at the Star Wars uh, the uh, Powerhouse Museum till, till June I understand so you've got plenty of time but definitely well worth checking out uh, the Star Wars Identities uh, Exhibition at the Powerhouse Museum The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear. They're issuing the Orbi Challenge. If you buy a Netgear Orbi Wi-Fi kit, you get better home Wi-Fi or your money back. So they're issuing the challenge. They're pretty confident because it is going to improve your home Wi-Fi uh, that's why they're issuing the challenge in the first place. The Orbi Wi-Fi systems are designed for any size home, large or small, whether you've got a small apartment or a big home or a sprawling estate, no more dead zones, no black spots, just better Wi-Fi across the board. And for those times when you need a little bit of more coverage, Orbi add-on satellites gives you additional coverage inside and out, perfect for backyards, garages, and even the granny flat. In today's modern household, Orbi's tri-band Wi-Fi system lets you stream your favourite movie. Movies in 4k and play online games by providing ultra fast wi-fi no matter how many devices are connected orbi plugs into your existing modem and is really easy to set up with just a few clicks and not only does it work great it looks great too blends into your home's decor orbi's the easiest fastest most expansive advanced mesh wi-fi network available today for more information visit netgear.com.au orbi better wi-fi everywhere This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Alrighty, we're going to talk about, uh, this is the help desk. We're going to uh, answer some questions here and a couple of questions I've had. One was from a reader who was asking about the very popular Pocketbook app. Now this is a, a budgeting app, lets you keep an eye on your spending. It is really popular. It's got uh, a lot of features that allow you to synchronise your bank account, so you've got your bank feed in there, set your budgets without a spreadsheet, uh, track your regular payments, all those sorts of things, and it adds this data so that you know exactly where you stand. Anyway, the question that we had from our reader was, the, as soon as they opened the app and they noticed that the Pocketbook app asked for their banking passwords... Uh, is it safe? So they were. This person was spooked to say, "Well, hang on. If they want my bank passwords. Why is that? Well, the reason they want that is so that they can see what's in your account, all your transactions, so that they can keep track of everything you're doing. Yes, it is safe. Do that. It's protected. It's secure. Put them in the app, and it's just going to give you the same information that your banking app's going to give you. You're giving them that as well. So yes, to help, uh, to make you feel a little bit more at ease, it's normal for you to have to put your passwords in so it can bring in all your banking details, so your bank account, your credit cards, all that sort of thing. It is secure, so don't be afraid to use it. The other question that we had was around the Note 9. This was an interesting little problem that was identified late last year and it involves the Samsung Note 9 working with Android Auto. You know, if you've got a car with Android Auto, you connect your phone and you'll see on the screen a version of your phone, which is Android Auto. Now, in in this case, there's a lot of people reporting that it wasn't working properly, uh, if at all, and it turns out that uh, the problem is the resolution of the Note 9 wasn't compatible with Android Auto. So if you go into your settings, go into displays, turn down the resolution from WQHD to Full HD+, and that will apparently fix everything. Everything will work. So reducing the resolution from QHD to Full HD+, everything will work. It's apparently an issue on Samsung's end, not Android Auto's end. So um, there perhaps may be a firmware update that might fix that permanently. But in the meantime, you can fix it yourself by turning down the resolution from WQHD to Full HD and that will get your Android Auto working. And that's the end of our show for this week. You can read about everything that we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, please send us a voice bite. Click on the record button on the Tech Guide website and we'll hear your question and I'll answer it on live on the show. Really easy to do. I encourage you to try it or you can send us an email, info at I want to give a special shout-out to uh, abesaudio.com.au. You may have heard of the show's got a different intro, different stings and IDs, uh, and that was kindly supplied by Abe at abesaudio.com.au. If you've got a podcast, you have any of your audio needs, head over to abesaudio.com.au. He'll help you out. We also want to give a special shout-out to, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.